0: Uh, Father God, thank you so much that you are a faithful God, uh, that you uh, only speak truth, uh, that uh, your promises are sure, and they are reliable, and that we can count upon them. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for your living and active word. Uh, thank you that uh, you have spoken to us, that you haven't remained silent. Uh, Lord, thank you that you uh, come to us in our moment of need. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would do that now. I, I think about each and every person here this morning and those who are watching at home, uh, and I don't know exactly what uh, everyone is going through, and so, uh, Lord, I'm reminded that you do. And so I just want to give our folks, both here and at home, just an opportunity to, to pray uh, right now in their seats and ask that uh, you would speak to them uh, through uh, your word, would you do that, church family, right now? Just spend a few moments in prayer and ask that God's Spirit would speak to you. And if you would be uh, so kind, would you take a moment and pray for me, and ask that uh, God would use me this morning to point you to Jesus? That my words. I would be clear and helpful to you as we open up God's Word. God, we're a dependent people. We really need you. We're desperate for you. And so I pray that you would meet us uh, in our need this morning. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. You may have a seat. It's hard to believe, but it's been uh, almost eight years uh, since I was uh, rushed to the emergency room uh, late one night. Uh, It was shortly before midnight, and my heart had been racing for quite some time. Uh, many of you know, or at least some of you know, that I was born with a heart condition. When I was born, my heart was beating about 250 beats a minute, uh, which I've been told is high. Uh, I never had any issues with it growing up. It didn't bother me at all until that fateful day a number of years ago. I was exercising with a friend. I felt something was different, was, was wrong, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And to be quite honest with you, in that moment, I wasn't connecting uh, my heart beat uh, with this condition that I was born with. It honestly didn't even cross my mind. And so I came home and I shared with Melissa that I, I felt a little funny. She's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know, but I just I feel my heart feels a little weird. And she's like, that doesn't sound like a good thing. Maybe you should have that checked out. Maybe you should go uh, to the hospital. And I did what any man in my shoes would do in that moment. Grabbed a snack, tried to take a nap, uh, I thought I'd sleep it off, uh, but it was uh, relatively unsuccessful. Later in that day, Melissa left. She had an event that evening. She's like, are you going to be okay? And I was like, I'm totally going to be okay. I was not okay. Uh, I still felt funny. I still felt like something was wrong. Uh, eventually, I tried to get a hold of Melissa, and I was like, hey, could you just come home? I'm not feeling well. And, uh, but she was at a play, and so she had her phone turned off, so she didn't get any of my messages, Uh, finally when she got out she called me and she's like James you need uh, to go to the emergency room like now and I was like sweetie I just want you to come home Uh, because that would magically make everything go away at least in my mind and she's like you really need to go and I said just come home and so I hung up the phone and about three and a half seconds later Melissa's father called me and said in so many words you need to go to the emergency room now he said it a little differently I can't uh, share on Sunday morning what exactly he said, uh, but he, sh- he strongly encouraged me uh, to go to the emergency room. Melissa came home. We found someone to come to her house, take care of her kids. I went to the emergency room. It was about midnight. I walked in. If you ever want to go to the front of the line in the ER in the middle of the night, tell them you got a problem with your ticker, and like it'll, it'll get you back there quick, and it did for me. I took me in the back. Uh, the nurse took my, my blood pressure, my heart rate, and she's like, hey, Uh, Your heart is beating like 250 beats a minute. Um, How long has it been doing this? And in my mind, I did a a quick count and said about eight hours. Um, She didn't say anything to me in that moment, but she looked at me with those eyes that communicated, you, sir, are an idiot. And uh, which in the moment I probably would have agreed with her. She left the room. She came back. Uh, they gave me some medication. She uh, asked me a question that I'll never forget. She said, Have you ever had your heart shocked before? Because uh, we're going to need to do it. And I said, Like in the movies, like with. Bzz, bzz, and she said, Sort of. Yeah, sort of like that. And I was like, No, I can't say that I have. And so she's like, Well, we're going to have to shock your heart and lower your heart rate. And I was like, Okay. So they wheel me back. And um, what happened in the room from that time on, I I don't remember all of the details. Uh, I just know there was an ER doctor who came and stood over me, and he asked me two questions. It's the last thing that I remember. The first question that he asked me was, James, have you ever been kicked in the chest by a horse before? You know, I paused for a moment and tried to think back to my childhood, but I could not think of a time where I had been kicked in the chest by a horse. And so I said no, and then he said to me, James, have you ever been hit in the chest with a baseball before? And I, you know, I played a little Little League in my day. Uh, I was a catcher, but I, I never was hit in the chest with a baseball before. And so I said no. And the next thing I remember, I opened my eyes, and standing over me was the ER nurse. And I looked at her, and I said, have you shocked my heart yet? And she had this little smile on on her face. And she said, uh, yes, we shocked your heart. And then she asked me a question. She said, James, you're you're a pastor, aren't you? And I said, yes, yes, I am. And she said, well, you cuss like a sailor. (laughs) Listen, I don't know what I said when they shocked my heart. I suppose what happens in the emergency room stays in the emergency room. Uh, However, uh, I want to make a case this morning uh, against swearing. Against swearing. But not that kind of swearing. It's a different kind of swearing. It's a swearing that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me there to Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 33. Uh, We find ourselves. Uh, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was delivered by Jesus to his disciples, to the crowds, and he is uh, introducing the crowd to a truth that will change their life, and that is that God's kingdom has come. Uh, God's kingdom is God's rule over God's people in God's place. Right? He, he is moving into a culture that essentially rejects him and has wants little to do with him, and he's painting a picture of what does it look like to follow God? What does it look like to stand out in this culture? And so Jesus says crazy things like the kingdom is at hand and the kingdom is near. And he's been teaching his disciples and his followers. And he continues his teaching in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, and says these words. Again, you have heard it said to those of old, uh, you shall not swear falsely but shall perform to the lord what you have sworn but i say to you do not take an oath at all either by heaven for it is the throne of god or by earth for it is his footstool or by jerusalem for it is the only for it is the city of the great king verse 36 and do not take an oath by your head for you cannot make one hair white or black let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this uh, comes from evil. I'll have to be honest with you. When I, I first uh, read this the other week, I, I thought to myself, oh, whew, good. <laughs> like, like finally, something that seemingly doesn't exactly apply to me. Like we, we've been walking through some pretty difficult topics. We've been talking about uh, anger and, and lust and divorce and remarriage, some, some topics that quite honestly, when you hear about them, you may feel like your toes are getting stepped on a little bit. Uh, but when I read this, I thought uh, to, to myself, I, th- I think I'm in the clear, right? I think I'm in the clear. I mean, I, I started thinking and, and going, well, I haven't, haven't done jury duty any time recently or ever, and so I, had, I didn't swear under oath. Uh, I'm not a fan of boy bands, so I never sang the song, I Swear, by All for One. You remember that song, or not. Uh, one person does. Uh, or, I, like, I'm not involved with, uh, with Oath Keepers. I've read about them a little bit on the internet, but I'm not on their Facebook page. And so, I, like, when I read this, I was like, I think, I think I'm good. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the more I studied uh, and the more I thought about it, uh, the more I realized that uh, I need... Uh, these words of Jesus uh, pretty desperately in my heart and in my life. And perhaps uh, you do too. Oaths and vows were, were talked about in the Old Testament uh, and in the New Testament. There's times when Scripture uh, warns against uh, taking an oath or swearing, as this text says. Uh, later in James chapter 5, verse 12, we, we read... Um, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no no, um, uh, be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And, and so there are times when the Bible says, hey, don't, don't swear or don't take an oath. We're going to talk about what that means and what that looks like uh, today. But interestingly enough, there are other times in Scripture where it, it calls us to swear, I think of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 13 and 14. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. Uh, You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who surround you. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20. You shall fear the Lord your God, and you shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. So these these words in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Deuteronomy uh, chapter 10 uh, refer or tie into the first and second uh, commandment of the Ten Commandments. God's people were to worship and serve him alone and were to swear uh, by his name alone because he is the the one true God. Uh, God's people were never to create or to bow down uh, to an image in any other form uh, other than Yahweh, other than God, because God alone is sovereign. He is the one true and living God. And, and when people um, swear by any other name, they are creating uh, an idol, essentially, and bowing down uh, to that idol. And so Scripture says, And you shall not swear falsely by my name, so as to profa- profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. And so this prohibition against swearing falsely by the name of God is critically tied uh, to the third commandment of the Ten Commandments as well. Exodus 20, verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. To take the Lord's name in vain is to invoke his name lightly or profanely, uh, to use it without humbly acknowledging of the holy character of the one whose name you are invoking. To invoke the name of God in an oath or a vow when your statement is false or when you do not intend to honor your words is a direct violation of the third commandment. And as one author says, to invoke the name of God over a trivial or inconsequential matter is also a violation of the third commandment because taking the name of the Lord in vain includes taking it lightly, uh, treating it as it is common or trivial. And so in the Old Testament, oaths were to be sworn in God's name only. They were to be used for affirming important matters, not trivial matters. Uh, And and they were uh, to be true. Oaths were used to resolve disputes to seal agreements or covenants or to simply affirm the truthfulness of important declarations. And so we read in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 16, um, an, oath, uh, an oath given as confirmation is an end to every dispute. And so if there were uh, a dispute between two individuals, if there was a disagreement, an argument, a fight, uh, when someone made an oath, Uh, It it would basically dissolve the disagreement. It was a way of communicating to that person, listen, what I am telling you is true. I'm, I'm not making it up. And so when people took an oath or a vow, it was a significant. In some ways, it was like a way of convincing the person that you were talking to that your words were true or reliable or could be trusted. Uh, when, when we were little kids, when I was a little kid, and I would get in an argument with my friends, maybe I would say some outlandish claim, right, some statement that I wanted them to believe. I would uh, communicate the statement, and they might respond to me, James, that's not true. And I would respond to them and say, No, it is. I swear. Right? And that was a way of me communicating to them, no, listen, I, I mean business. I'm not making this up. And then if they were to reply to me, James, we still don't believe you, I would say, no, I swear on the Bible. Ooh. I mean, that was a way of telling my friends, listen, you need to believe me. I'm not making this up. And if they still told me, James, we do not believe you you're making it up i would say to them i swear on a stack of bibles because i wanted them to know i wasn't kidding like i could be trusted and if they still pushed back and said james we still don't believe you i would say i am telling the truth i swear on my mother's grave now listen My mom's watching this message at home right now, and so I want you to know, Mom, I never said that. This is just an illustration. I would never say that. But other people did. And and the reason that they would is because they wanted someone or something else to kind of prop up their opinion or what they were saying because they wanted other people to believe them. That's what is essentially happening here. Jesus says in verse 34, but, you, uh, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. <laughs> What are people doing? People are looking to something else other than God to convince other people uh, that their word is reliable and trustworthy and true. And it's one thing uh, for for someone to swear an oath by heaven, but but then maybe someone would swear uh, an oath by earth or by uh, their head. Jesus, believe it or not, actually rebukes the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, For this very thing, the Pharisees were a group of people during the times of Jesus. They were the religious leaders of the day. Uh, They were the interpreters of the law of God. Uh, They they were, in some circles, respected by the community because they kind of had a corner on the truth, or at least they thought they did. Uh, But Jesus rebukes them in Matthew 26 um, for doing this very thing. He says in uh, Matthew 23, verse 16, Woe to you, blind guides! "...who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But, but if someone or anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar... He is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar uh, swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. You see what the Pharisees are doing? They're looking at some things things in life or some things that they come in contact with, and they go, well, if I swear by that, I mean, it's not such a big deal. But if I swear by that, then it really is a big deal. I'm not going to swear by the temple, but I'm going to swear by the altar. I'm not going to swear by the altar, but the the gold on the altar, the the presents or the gifts on the altar. They're, They're looking at the world around them, and they are creating this system in their minds where they say, hey, if I swear by this, uh, then I have an out. But if I swear by this, uh, then I need to be true to my word. And Jesus looks at them and says to them, "Uh, you blind men. You, You blind men. Everything is God's. Everything in heaven and on earth. It's his. So this system that you've created to give yourself an out so that you can twist your words or go back on your promises it doesn't hold water. He says to them you are like blind guides. Maybe you read the passage in Matthew 23 or Matthew chapter 5 and you think to yourself, well, "I don't I mean like, I don't do that, do I? I, mean, I like, do, do we do this in relationships when you're a student and you don't uh, turn in your homework assignment? Do you tell your teacher, hey, I'll have it to you uh, by the end of the day? You know, cross my heart, <laughs> hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Like, we, don't, we don't talk like that, do we? I mean, husbands don't uh, say to uh, their wives, sweetie, I, 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 was, I was late. I I was late. I I really was. Like pinky swear. Pinky swear, I was. Like, we we don't talk like that. Uh, And yet, I'm reminded that we can uh, get a little creative when uh, when we interact with one another. You see, what, what Jesus is reminding the people and reminding us is that when we look to something outside of him, um, to validate our words and what we are saying, we essentially are manipulating other people so that they might believe uh, what we are telling them. We, we are trying to look to something other than the truthfulness of our words uh, so that they might buy in and we can control the narrative uh, that we are telling Jesus is telling the people here that while that may be a socially accepted method to to spin your words, to convince someone else that you're telling the truth, it is not acceptable in the kingdom of heaven. I love what Dallas Willard writes in his book, Divine Conspiracy. He writes about this passage and says, Jesus goes right to the heart of why people swear oaths. He knew that they do it to impress others with their sincerity and reliability and thus gain acceptance of what they are saying and what they want. It is a method for getting their way. They are declaring some promise or purpose or some point of information or knowledge dear to them. They want their hearers to accept what they say and do what they want. So they say, by God, or God knows, to lend weight to their words and presence. It is simply a device of manipulation designed to override the judgment and will of the ones they are focusing upon and to push them aside rather than respecting them and leaving their decision and action directly up to them. And I don't know about you, but I, I read those words, and th- those are convicting words. Dallas Willard says, w- when we do that, when we swear by someone or something other than uh, the Lord or, or the truthfulness of our words, we're essentially manipulating another person, another human being, so that they would buy in uh, to what we are selling. And Jesus uh, tells us that people who live and breathe in his kingdom um, don't, don't act like that. That's not how we function as a people. I think we do this in a number of ways. I think we can at times do it in creative ways. There's times where we, <laughs> me, us, we can even be guilty of using spiritual language uh, in such a way that we get the upper hand in conversations with other people. We can say very well-intentioned things uh, like like God told me or God spoke to me or this is God's will. But we do it in such a way that it closes down the conversation. Now listen, you may hear that this morning and you go, James, I I use all of those phrases. (laughs) I've said that before. God said to me or God spoke to me or this is God's will. I'm not saying that God doesn't direct us, that God doesn't lead us, that God doesn't speak to us. But when we use those phrases to get what we want or to manipulate a person or a conversation, Jesus says that is sin. Because when you say something like that, it shuts down any pushback. You cannot be questioned. If I tell you God said to me, or God spoke, or this is God's will. <laughs> How do you respond to that? That's an example. Jesus said, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't be creative with your words or with your phrases, what you say, or what you don't say in order to manipulate a person or a situation so that you can get what you want. Instead, Jesus says in verse 37, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. What what Jesus is is doing here is getting at uh, the heart of of what matters to him. And what matters to him is that that we don't only say what is true and what is right, but that we are the kind of people uh, who are true and right in what we say. He wants us, our lives, to be marked by honesty and trustworthiness. And so, I mean, let's think about this together. What what does this look like? I've thought about this for a couple weeks now. And I go, okay, what is this? Is We live this out as a people. What does this look like? At at work or in school, it it may look like um, when the teacher asks us if we've turned in an assignment that we don't say we've turned it in if we haven't turned it in. It could mean just us being honest and being true. It could mean that we don't tell our boss, I'll have it to you at the end of the day. If we know good and well, we're not going to have it to him or her at the end of the day. It, It might mean us not responding to someone when they ask us if we have a project and say, I'm working on that, when we're not working on it. In our relationships with if you're single, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if you're married, with your husband or your wife, or your friends, it means that we don't use our words to manipulate another person so that we might get what uh, we want. It, it means we don't do verbal gymnastics with things that we say in order to win someone's approval or so that they'll look at us or perceive us in a certain light. In, in our marriage relationships with a spouse, it, it means that uh, we're, we're not creative in our responses. We don't, we don't tell 80% of the truth but hold a little back so we can look better than we really are. It means that we're the kinds of people who tell an honest and true story. We don't create smoke screens. We don't tell half truths. We don't do a song and dance or spin a story so that we will be perceived in a particular light. Jesus says when when we do that, we miss the mark. We sin. Instead, he says, "Let your yes be yes, and your no, no." A number of weeks ago, uh, Cademan, my oldest son, he needed a new pair of shoes, and he asked uh, if he could if he could get some, if he could get a pair. Uh, he was kind enough to shop for them online and send me a link, so there would be no confusion. And what shoes he got, and he said, "Dad, I found these. Do these work?" I looked at the link and I was like, "Yep, they work. Those are great. Those are fine." Made sure I had the right size. We're all good. I got busy. I was doing something, which probably means I was watching a game, and and I forgot about his shoes. And so he asked me the next day, um, "Dad, have you ordered my shoes?" I had to come clean. I said, no, Cademan, I I totally forgot. I was was busy. Whether or not I was busy for the past 24 hours and didn't have three minutes to order the shoes is irrelevant. But I I said, hey, I, I didn't get to it. I'm sorry. I will take care of it. Fast forward two more days. And he said to me, hey, Dad, have you had an opportunity to order those shoes? And I said to him, without missing a beat, they'll be here in four to five days. Because I know as well as you know that through Amazon Prime, you can get stuff to your house the same day, the next day, or in two days. So I, I gave them a big window. I said, if I say four to five days and they come in two days, I'm like superhero. Like I, I, I want to under-promise and I want to over-deliver. The only problem was is my response 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 in that moment was really not true. I didn't order his shoes, but for whatever reason in that moment, I I didn't want to confess and tell him, no, I know this is the third time you've asked me, but I forgot again. I wanted to cover my tracks, and so I thought I did until I left the conversation and went to order the shoes only to find out that they no longer had his size. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. My beautiful little plan that I had concocted in my small little brain was quickly unraveling before my very eyes. (laughs) Why? Why? In that moment, was, was I so quick To go, yeah, they'll be here four to five days. When I knew I didn't order his shoes. Now, you may hear that story and think to yourself, that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, right? I mean, we've all done that in a roundabout way. But I think to myself, like, what is it in in my fleshly heart in that moment that that thinks it's so necessary for me to cover my tracks with my 16-year-old over a pair of shoes? Who does that? Uh, apparently, I do. So, so the words of Jesus arrive on my heart. And he says to me, James, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Be true and trustworthy in what you say. Be, be that kind of person who doesn't manipulate, who doesn't twist, uh, who doesn't spin the truth in my favor, so I look better than I really am. Instead, uh, <laughs> own your stuff. Right, so that's a that's a it's a window into my heart. want us to be a a kind of people who are true and trustworthy with the things that we say and do. Uh, That that we're we're people of our word. And when we say we're going to do something, we do it. And we don't feel the need uh, to manipulate or to spin or to paint a picture of ourselves that may or may not be so accurate. And in order to be that kind of people, uh, we need God's help. I need God's help. And so I want to pray now and ask God uh, to help us and to help me. Uh, So would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we uh, want to be a people who function and live in such a way that were uh, true to your character and to your goodness and to your holiness and your righteousness. And uh, I don't know about everyone else, but I know for me there's, there's these reminders along the way that I really need your help in, in order to do that well. I'm, I'm so dependent and desperate for you uh, to change my heart and to rescue me uh, from myself. And so I pray that you would do that now. I pray that for us as a church family, for us as a people. I pray that we would be a people uh, who speak words of truth, that we're trustworthy, that we're honest with the things that we say, that, that we don't feel like we have to go out of our way to manipulate or to spin or to convince uh, someone of something that may or may not be completely accurate free us uh, from that this morning god thank you that you meet us in our need thank you that you change us you've promised to change us into the image of your son by the power of your spirit i pray that you would do that now god we love you we thank you so much for loving us first we pray these things in jesus name and by your spirit amen